Your free will, it begins with the choosing. Like, I'm going to direct my energy this way today because I say so. And it doesn't matter what I did yesterday because right now this moment is always this moment. And this moment we always can choose when we're being mindful, right? When we're really tuning in, we can choose to say in this moment, this is how I'm going to show up and what I'm going to do. You are listening to The Ultimate Biohack for Women, a movement of women who know what they want and go get it. You know the answers lie within. Reach in and grab hold. This is a movement, a movement of women who tune in and turn themselves on. Now you're biohacking the woman's way, integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman. Tap your magic, conjure your yes, upgrade, elevate, maximize your potential. I'm Dr. Brandy Victory, and this is a movement, a movement that is sure to hack your soul. All right. Ah, I'm so excited. (laughs) This is going to be so good. All right, ladies, I've got a juicy interview for you today. Uh, This one's going to just, I mean, all of them have been great, but I've just got this really great experience with this beautiful woman that I am about to introduce to you. And, um, it, it was, I, I'm still processing everything because it's so awakening and and transformational just from the one experience that I had with you. I am just about to introduce you to a wonderful woman named Robin Wald. She's an astrologer, a life coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and a cosmic wisdom guide. Who doesn't need that? (laughs) Robin uses her skills to support clients to engage with their life experience in an inspired, conscious, compassionate, self-determined, and self-loving way. Robin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to be here because I have like these things that have been percolating in my own consciousness about life itself that I think you might have some really interesting answers for. Oh, I hope so. Or at least we could have a great conversation about it. For sure. Yeah, totally, totally. So uh, ladies, I just want you to know, I had an astrology reading with uh, Robin and uh, we did the natal and the transit uh, reading. I don't really know what that even means, <laughs> but Robin's going to tell you all about it. But what, what really fascinated me the most is that, you know, especially in this time of COVID and this time of turning inside, this time of quieting down and being still and getting to know ourselves in a deeper way, I've been contemplating a lot of the things that you spoke to. And I was like, oh, I'm not messed up. That's just in my stars. <laughs> so it was really awesome. And then to have this experience, which I'm sure we're going to get into as we go on, because I, I love sharing my experience with my, my listeners here so they can really understand what, what it was like to work with you. Um, but, but, you know, it was like you said this one little thing, and I can't even remember what it was, and it was just like you popped a, a little boil that's been underneath my skin for eons and lifetimes. And it was just like, everything just broke open. I just totally started crying and all this realization came to the forefront, which I guess is lends itself to your cosmic wisdom guidance. (laughs) So um, I'm going to give you just a few minutes or however long you want to take to introduce yourself and let people know a little bit about what you're up to. And if you want to just kind of tell us how you got here. We're all into it. Okay, great. So first of all, thank you so much for that introduction. And I really feel so honored that you gave me the opportunity to do your reading for you. And, um, you know, there's a real intimacy and bond that happens in that experience, right? Wouldn't you say that it just gets really real and deep very quickly. And it's a very, um, one of the things I really hope that I accomplish is to create that very trusting and loving space where you can really feel what is true for you. This astrology really on a deep level is about personal truth. Like what is my personal truth of my being, of my life experience, of my sense of myself within the context of the whole universe? Like who am I? What do I want? What do I need? What's my purpose? What are the experiences that have shown up over and over and over again in my life 
either for what I call the positive or for more like what's challenging for me. And there's something that's so real when someone can sit, like you're saying in this COVID time, especially like really be reflective and present to themselves in a very authentic way. Um, and something very powerful opens up there. So that's ultimately in an astrology reading, I feel like that is the biggest thing that comes out of it is that people have a chance to really do that inner reflective work of being very present for themselves, but with a guide, with a guide, with a witness, with someone who has, like my job as an astrologer is really to translate. It's like being an interpreter of another language because astrology is just a mathematical, symbolic, archetypal language. And um, so I'll back up for a second. If I, I brought that up because I wanted to say thank you. You know, for me, it's always an honor and a gift to sit with any client and to be given that opportunity to hold that space. So thank you for being, you know, an enthusiastic and open participant. And, you know, thanks for sharing that it was meaningful and that you were moved and that things shifted for you out of that session that we had together. That's mm -hmm. always my intention. Yeah. Yeah. This work. Yeah. A little bit about me. Um, I've had probably four or five different reinventions of myself in my lifetime, um, which I think is fascinating, actually. You know, I think it's great. And I hope that that's something that speaks to your listeners, that at any point in your life, you constantly get to choose and invent who you're bringing forth and what you're committed to and who you want to be becoming, right? And to put your effort into that. So change is always possible, right? Even when we think we're really stuck and it's impossible. And sometimes we can feel that way for years and mm -hmm. stick with situations or relationships or careers, or we put up with a lot as women, especially. Sometimes we really sacrifice and we put up with a lot for whatever reasons. And the compassionate piece is to realize like there are reasons that we stay stuck and it's don't, that's not another reason to beat ourselves up. Like I'm stuck. So that now I'm even worse for these. It's just a thing to notice, but to also recognize that we always also have the ability with the right guidance, right? With the right loving support resources, advocacy, our own sense of our own resourcefulness. We have the ability to pull ourselves forward and to really invent and become who we choose. Um, I started out really, you know, brainy, very nerdy, brainy girl, um, always also embodied, like I loved swimming. I loved athletics. I loved, I taught myself yoga. I used to love to dance by myself in private, not like professionally trained, but I loved being embodied and I loved learning. Like that's who I was my whole childhood, like very shy, social with friends, but really more comfortable introverted than extroverted. Um, I went to college for civil engineering. <laughs> I worked in engineering, civil and hazardous waste engineering for several years before realizing that wasn't my passion. And I switched tracks and I ended up going back. Well, I ended up managing a chiropractic nutrition office, <laughs> office manager for years, working with clients and doing customer service and all of that stuff. And then I went back and got a master's degree in nutrition. You don't even know this about me, Brandon. No. <laughs> so I have a master's in nutrition and I was doing nutrition with women for several years. And I found that I especially loved working with teenagers. Um, and then that led me in between a little break of being a mom, which is the most sacred, important work of my life, really. I have three children and I loved, loved and still love being a mother is really just core to who I am. And I feel like if anything was part of my life purpose, like that was it. And so I really feel fulfilled in that way. But in between all of the being a mom, I realized I love teaching kids, especially preteens and teens. So I went back and started, um, I got yoga certified as a yoga teacher and I taught all kinds of elementary school, middle school, teenage programs with yoga and meditation, mindfulness, stress reduction for teenagers. And then that led me to teach at my synagogue yoga 
but from a Jewish context, which then led me into teaching everything else for teenagers. So to the point where now that's like my, one of my core things is I'm a, a Jewish educator um, and a mentor and a role model. And I teach a lot of ethics and values and philosophy and mysticism and theology for, for teenagers. I love that work, love it. Um, and then kind of along the way with all of that other stuff, I always studied astrology because I was fascinated by it. Like I just have that very mystical kind of spiritual bent and just really feel that my life is part of a larger mm. purpose and a larger cosmic picture. Um, I've struggled personally with religion and with practice and what that looks like and what's meaningful. I've struggled a lot with what I call the divine and names of God and reclaiming that from a very masculine to something more in alignment with what I truly understand. Um, I've studied a lot of world religion, comparative religion, um, yogic philosophy, Buddhist philosophy, uh, all kinds of, and I'm fascinated by anything that relates to what I call cosmic wisdom. Hmm doesn't come in just one form. There's multiple, multiple access points and pathways. And there's so much deep wisdom that connects us to our own soulfulness, to our own sense of purpose in this world. And for me, I found that the astrology really, really answers that on a very deep level for myself and for the people I work with. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I, I can see how it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, I, I also have uh, an interest in astrology and um, it, it's just fascinating because to hear your civil engineering background and the kind of the brain straight science data kind of mind and then astrology has that, right? Because there's the science to the stars and the alignment and all that. And there's the aspect of the cosmic wisdom. So I, I just really, I think it's a beautiful blend. And um, yeah, it's just really cool. I, I, I have to say like when, um, when I met you the first time, we met via Zoom. And, uh, you know, I, first of all, you should know that I don't, I don't let in just anyone into my field when it comes to my personal healthcare and well-being. Uh, you know, I'm kind of particular about things, but upon the recommendation of our friend, uh, she was like, oh, you have to meet Robin. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure, if you say so. And then, you know, as I felt into that, it felt totally aligned. And then uh, when I saw you, like you just came on the screen and you were literally, I just saw a beautiful angel that had this light all around and even in this moment when we came together and i just you know i i before we start these these talks i like to center and ground and connect and um you know put a prayer into the space for us and and have community in our relationship here and in your space today even it was just this literally you were the center of the universe i saw this orbit of stars and planets just moving all around you and you're literally the center of the universe and i can't say i've ever seen that in anyone before oh my god <laughs> i don't even know what to say in response to that that's the most beautiful image thank you so much i'm like so honored by that <laughs> It's true. That's what I see. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I feel, I feel so honored. I mean, what a, what an incredible opportunity to have to create, to create space and, 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 uh, and information and things out into the universe, into the ears of our listeners so that they too can have this opportunity to tap into someone as yourself that's so centered and aligned and true to who you are. Like you, you can't be in the center of the universe if you're not true to who you are. That's, that's such a fascinating observation um, on so many levels, right? So I'll speak to that in two ways. One is from a yogic perspective, for any of your listeners who know anything about yoga philosophy or even just general fitness, you know, we talk about our core, right? Like the core in terms of physical strength, your core needs to be strong to protect your back, to open your heart, like your posture. If your core is really weak, it's like your inner systems aren't working right. Maybe your digestion isn't working right. It's like that is, and then from the yogic perspective, we talk about as the solar plexus, right? That third chakra is understood to be the sun, the fire, your vitality, right? Your core, what they talk about, agni. It's like your vital source. 
think about the sun as like a glowing ball of fire. And then astrologically, that really is what the archetype of the sun is. So when people talk about, oh, I'm a Taurus, I'm an Aquarius, what they're really saying, whether they know it or not, you know, in the, the secular, the astrological is, it means I was born in a specific place, in a specific time, my soul incarnated into this physical body at a time when the sun was in whatever degrees and minutes of this constellation of the sign. And what does that mean? The sun represents our core centered sense of self and identity. This is who I know myself to be. This is where I am most vital. This is where I shine. My light is brightest when I am coming from this authentic place. That's what the sun sign is. So somebody who is a Taurus, it's a fixed earth sign. And where they shine and where they feel alive and most themselves is when they're surrounded with physical, sensual comforts, when they feel safe and secure with food, with texture, with color, with taste, with, right? It's very sensual, very embodied, very physical and material, tangible. But where a Libra son might feel most like most authentic, this is who I am and this is where I shine, is relationally, in relationships, in communication, in sharing ideas, in being objective, in holding space for balance and equilibrium between people, right? And so it's a fascinating thing. We, talk, we could talk about it in so many different ways. There's so many different languages. But so just to give your listeners an example, like that's how the astrology works. It asks those questions on that level. And there's, you know, your natal chart, it's very unique to you. It really has something to say about you. A lot of times people who are like, they don't understand what astrology really is. Their only, you know, connection to astrology is horoscopes in the newspaper. And, you know, how can everybody, you know, 8 billion people on the planet, you know, one twelfth of them who are this sign, that's going to apply to everybody equally, you know, it feels a little irrelevant and it's certainly not um, individualized or unique right but what is unique in astrology is that your birth chart is cast from the moment you're born to the minute um, in the exact place you're born and nobody else in the world has your birth chart except another child born within three minutes of you in the same exact location no kidding no kidding oh it is, is there like your yeah. Is there a way to like search for someone else who has your similar alignment? Oh, that's such a great question. I wonder. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I mean, then comes the question of nature and nurture though, right? So the, so in your natal chart, it's like a blueprint. It's your fingerprint. It's your unique map. You know, it's kind of like your potential. This is your potential. Your son is in Libra and your moon is in Leo and your rising sign or ascendant is in Pisces and you have this at your midheaven and these are where you know the north and south nodes are which relate to past life experience or accumulated wisdom and karma if you will and this life's purpose or direction or growth path right so there are things in the chart that tell a story of your potential And then that potential is acted on based on your environment, your family, the conditions you bring in and how you respond to them, how conscious you are of your own self in those processes. And as we continue to grow in time, somehow when you find your way to astrology, if and when, it just opens up this whole other layer of self-understanding and self-awareness and validation of, oh, wow, for 33 years I've been living in this life and now I understand myself so much better because I never knew my moon was in Gemini and that's what this meant. And I've always been that way and I never knew why and I thought it was something bad about it. Mm-hmm. And when you realize in your chart, there's no right or wrong or good or bad about anyone's chart. We're all designed very uniquely like our you know, DNA, our natal chart, it's very particular to us. And it's all part of a whole picture of who we are. Mm. Mm. Love this. Yeah. So this uh, leads me into another question for you. This is my, 
it's probably not a hard question for you because I'm probably not the first person who's asked you. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of goes back to that nature versus nurture thing you're going into. Cause I, you know, as we discussed in my chart, I'm, I'm the Libra and I'm very much Libra according to my chart, like a whole bunch of Libra. And from my remembrance memory of what we discussed, you know, Libra is again, a community person and likes to share ideas and is the helper and wants to make sure everybody's, you know, taken care of and that I'm, I'm in my center to my detriment. I might ask, I might say, um, and then, uh, but along the way it has also lent, uh, you know, the shadow side could lend itself to, um, you know, being a doormat and giving too much of myself away and getting stepped on. And, and I've in my past, let myself do that so much. Like that's definitely a piece of myself where I've had a lot of growth. And in, 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 looking at the, the, this alignment of everything and what's happened and how you pretty much dictated all of that. Uh, I, 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 you know, the question arises and, and you did speak to this in our conversation. You're like, you always have willpower. And I was like, but wait a minute, do I? Yeah. So it's a really good question. Okay. Because a lot of people get very stuck or afraid of like, well, what's the balance between what is the cosmos setting me up for? <laughs> what are the energy forces in the universe and how they're kind of interplaying in my life? And if that's really happening, then do I have control in my life? And do I, do I really have free will? This is an age old question. Of course. Theology so, is so, so ancient. And even back in ancient times, all the way through modern, the way people interpreted and understood how to use this connection has shifted and changed. In general, and this is not, it's much more complex than this, but in general, ancient and medieval astrology was quite fatalistic and deterministic. This mm. sense that the, it's written in the stars and that you're destined or potentially doomed to live a certain kind of life or to have certain kinds of issues or health problems and, you know, based on what your chart dictates, right? Um, there are some astrologers today who still we'll look at the chart in that way of, oh, you're going to have lots of children. You're not going to have children. You're going to be married. You won't find a partner in this life. And they'll read the chart as if it is a fact of what is shown. I personally find that to be quite unethical and it doesn't at all align with my sense of free will. Um, my sense is that we are in this interrelated, interconnected living being experience with the cosmos. Mm. Not that there are planets out there in the universe shooting laser beams down at you and putting stumbling blocks in your way. <laughs> it's not, yeah. but there, you know, right. But sometimes we, it sounds silly when you say it that way, but there are people on a core level who might feel that way. Like I can't even look at astrology because if I did, then I would be afraid that I would be at the whim of the forces of the this or that. I never see it that way. Um, and I really caution people against having that sort of superstitious fear and giving your power away to anything you don't understand, first of all, mm. but even to a person who's a reader, right? An astrologer, I think, ethically, is someone who guides you to do self-exploratory work to understand yourself and to help you come to a place of greater clarity around your own wants and needs, around your own sense of what holds you back, around your own sense of what's possible and what your purpose is and how to better align with that. So I see astrology very much as, again, it's connected to the coaching piece, which is why, by the way, only a year ago, I became a certified coach because I was doing all of this astrology work and it's so powerful, it's so profound and it leaves people with so many new openings and perspectives, right? Yeah. And I highlight and emphasize always, well, now you have choices. You don't have to live out the same pattern over and over. Now you have some awareness and consciousness and you could say, oh, I don't wanna keep doing that. I actually wanna grow into this part of my chart and 
oh, I'm having a Saturn return. That's a great opportunity if I'm conscious of it to really get clear about what I'm committed to and want to work on and grow in my future and what I need to let go of, even though that might feel difficult, right? So the more you're conscious, the more you can make powerful choices that are self-directed and self-willed and aligned with really what your what inspires you, what's meaningful to you. And that's why I became a coach because I was like, well, I want to do that work with people too because that's like this juicy, awesome work. Like somebody identifies really what they want but isn't always certain how to get there. And if I had now the skills of doing that kind of exploration work with people to support and coach them through the process of really looking at how do we grow in that direction and transform my life in that way to be more satisfied and happy and fulfilled in these different areas? Like to me, that's, that's amazing. I've been loving doing that work and combining the two together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's really beautiful. I, I love the way you, you laid that out and yeah, you know, you, you know, you're going you're going to go through your Saturn return and maybe you're going to struggle through it, or maybe you're going to choose to have someone like you in their life to help guide them into having less struggle and more consciousness around the experience. Yeah, that's the intention. That's the hope. It's like why people would come to you as a doctor, right? It's like, there's a realization. It's interesting. And I think this is really relevant for women, especially in our society. And again, this is general, but in our society, we're kind of conditioned to have these, like we take these mixed messages on. One message is you need to be a good girl and play nice and make everybody happy and keep the peace and do everything for everyone else and bend over backwards. And if you don't act that way, you're too aggressive, you're too pushy, you're too selfish. You, you know, so you need to be accommodating, right? One of the traits of womanhood in our culture is to be very accommodating relationally in our families with our partners with our friends like we always need to be available right for others but then the other message is we need to be able to be so competent and resourceful that we can get it all done ourselves yeah and this kind of superwoman archetype of there's something wrong with you if you can't manage the thousand different balls you're juggling in the air you're supposed to be hyper productive hyper successful managing take care of the house and the family and the career and the learning and the, and your spiritual practice and your health and exercise it and we somehow we believe we take it on as if it's a truth that somehow we're failing if we're not able to handle it ourselves but i think it's actually a sign of strength and power when you recognize i actually part of my own resourcefulness is knowing when to look outside of myself for guides coaches healers, therapists, like who can help and support me to do what I need to do, right? So I think that's, you know, in yoga, we talk about that the person who uses blocks and props is actually the more advanced student, not the beginner. The beginner thinks they need to push their way through and do it in some perfect way and thinks it's a sign of weakness to use a block. But a really advanced practitioner is like, oh, I'm going to use everything I have at my disposal to support my success and my experience. Mm. And that's, I think, as we become more awake to our own sense of self, authentically, our own power, that includes inviting in others who are really supporting us to be our best. Yeah. Mm, Beautiful. Ah, yeah. So good. So good. And I totally align with you. It's just uh, that question, you know, arises a bit. Actually, Becky, who introduced us, she had, we were having this question, this conversation a, a couple of weeks ago. She's like, I just don't know where my free will, like where that line is. And so it's funny that, that this all came to fruition in, in, in this conversation. So it'll be really fun to share this conversation with her. And then on that kind of on that note, this might be a little bit different because I, and I may have this wrong, but what, from what, what I remember, uh, and, and ladies, you don't have to know all this stuff. If you have a reading with Robin, it's just so fascinating to me, uh, is that my Jupiter is in zero 
degree Capricorn. And my understanding is Capricorn is the CEO, the business person, all the stuff that I'm doing in my life. And Jupiter is about success. But then I also re remember at zero, at zero degrees, it's like just the beginning. And so, you know, part of my mind is like, well, does that mean in this lifetime, I'm actually going to become successful or am I going to have to be in the beginning for the, for the whole lifetime? How does that work? That's, that's interesting. Well, zero, also Capricorn is a cardinal sign, which is about initiating and beginning. So zero degrees in a cardinal sign is actually, it's very, it's even more powerful. It's aligned with the world axis, this zero degrees cardinal position. I actually see it as being an innovator, as being someone who's like starting something brand new in the whole consciousness. Capricorn has to do with traditions and already existing paradigms and structures and professions and the way things have been done forever. So zero degrees in that sign is actually sort of like bringing in new, fresh ideas, new, fresh perspective into an already existing paradigm. So I see more as the innovator, the one who is embarking on a brand new Jupiter has to not only do with success, it has to do with purpose, mm. it's a vision. It's about purpose. It's really about spiritual, a spiritual sense of this is what I believe and is meaningful. And Capricorn takes that and manifests it in the world to be seen by others. Mm. Zero degrees is sitting at the cusp of, okay, this is going to be new both for me, yes, on some level for you, this idea of putting yourself out in a big way, your beliefs in a big way, in a public way, might feel new to you, but it would also feel new to the community to have this infusion of some big, bold, new idea or paradigm inside of a structure of an already existing paradigm. And that's what the world really needs right now, actually, mm. is to be pulling us forward, always. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So thank you for saying that because so much of my inner conversation in the past has been, I know all this stuff, but it's already been said. So why should I be putting it out there? You know, like that kind of conversation. But what you're saying is that I'm going to be saying something in either in a new way or something different that hasn't been heard that needs to be heard. And then the other piece that landed for me during that was I was just talking to my coach this morning and he is my business coach. And I've been making video after video for him. And some, you know, I'm just wear whatever I want to wear, right? And he commented on how he's like, oh, I find it interesting. And this video, you have this little necklace on and this long sleeve shirt, and you look very doctor-esque and conservative. And in this video, you've got this pink dress on that's kind of sheer and your shoulders are showing. He said, you know, you're like fire. And I'm like, well... I have to say I'm not a very conservative person. And this is a, this is something I've fought with for a very long time. Like if I've worked for other doctors, like I come to work dressed how I want to come to work. I feel great in the sexy sleeveless, you know, whatever. And I, I just feel great. So why not? Because my, my whole intention is to help women own their shit. You know, like if you feel like wearing a sexy dress today, go wear a sexy dress and go to the grocery store. Like don't not. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's been a inner conversation that is like, Oh, well, I'm a doctor. I should, and I'm working at this office. So I should. And you know, I'm, I, that's why I like working for myself because I want to wear what I want to wear, but to have him make that, to see that and have that expression, I was just like, Oh, here it is. And I stood up to him and I was just like, you know, I'm not a very conservative person. He's like, no, I think it's great. I think you should have a little bit of everything, you know, get what people expect and give people what they expect and then give them who you are. So, you know, with, with that, with what you just said, it just really like intertwines. I love that. And I love that story. It's such a great example in real, like how this plays out for you. It's like, there's the traditional conservative and should I look a certain way and look and give people what they expect, but then if that's at odds with my authentic self-expression and me really bringing myself out in a true way, and you're committed to really connecting with people authentically, you're not looking to connect with people on a superficial level of just, you know, kind of kowtowing to what you think they think they need, right? You want to be real. Yeah. So being real takes a certain level of courage. 
you know, and that's the Jupiter piece. The Jupiter is, has a very big inflated sense of if I believe this and this is aligned with my purpose, I'm just going to go big or go home. I'm just going to do it. So being able to put yourself out authentically in a more conservative environment, but in a way that's authentic for you, that is being a change maker. That is being very daring. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And ladies, just so you know, I mean, you're hearing what happens in her, her sessions. Like I just got a whole new realm of information to play with. And that was like two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. The angels are singing right now. (laughs) That's so cool. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. It's really beautiful to to feel your, your expression, you know, I'm, you know, I myself too, am a yoga practitioner and, uh, what, what just like, cause I'm curious, what style of yoga do you practice? I'm super eclectic about everything. I love learning. I mean, that is my biggest passion and drive. I love learning and I love teaching and I learn so that I can teach and I teach so that I can learn. And it's this constant interfeeding of each other. So I, started out with more of a hatha vinyasa and then i played around with power yoga and then i did a lot of work around um you know restorative stuff and all of that kind of very individualized therapeutic yoga Mm. much more into meditation practices i studied a bit with Thich han so a lot of mindfulness um practice and more recently i've been doing a lot of kundalini because i find for myself i really love kriya because it's purifying it's energizing it's heating and i feel like it's also for spinal health it's like amazing it just feels like when i've done a kundalini practice it just opens up all the channels um and the other piece i really like i don't teach bhakti but i'm a huge bhakti fan for those of uh, it's like devotional chanting like it's singing it's chanting it's being vibrational energy and like when i listen to kind of bhakti music i'll also dance so for me it's about more free flow like being in this very astrologically more piscean or neptunian realm of just surrendering and opening your heart to the flow of love and life and universal energy coming through you so i to me that's very spiritual as a practice it's more prayerful um so it's kind of, I do, all <laughs> like, over. it's kind of, I'm a little bit all over the place. I love, I, you know, I'm so enthusiastic and curious about so many things. So I dabble in a lot. That's cool. But, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I don't know Bhakti. How is that different than, I mean, we do chant in, in Kundalini. The Kirtan. Okay. It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very but cool. Bhakti specifically is just as a practice. I don't, I, it's a good question. I, I got to. Google the specific distinction between care. I mean, kirtan is call and respect and response chanting usually in a, that kind of group. Bhakti itself, I think is the practice of heart opening the chanting names of God, right? It's mm. practice. So it's another form of doing prayer and worship of the heart. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to explore that a little bit. Yeah. I, I like you. I love all kinds of yoga. I've dabbled in all of it. I actually uh, did a teacher training with John friend who was on Usara. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I'm right in this moment, I'm just finished talking to my teacher about doing a teacher training for Kundalini too, because there's something so profound about that practice. Mm-hmm. It's like apples and oranges. Yeah, and Kundalini. So Kundalini has a lot of overlap with Kabbalah, which is Jewish mystical wisdom, which has overlap with astrology. So the whole thing, yeah. So it's a whole other mystical system, which is what I love about Kundalini because philosophically, it's all about, you know, rising up energy through different chakra levels, but it also from a Jewish perspective, it relates to the spherots, which are different levels of qualities within yourself. So there's also ethical practices. There's also this understanding of unblocking certain channels. It's very energetic. Um, yeah. You'll tell me what you think. We'll have to have a whole other conversation. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we can get into all the other mystical wisdom that overlays with the yogic. Oh, that would be so great. Yeah. And just on that note, you do discuss the importance of daily heart-centered and spiritual practices. And, and I would love for you to expand on that a little bit. For Yeah. I think for myself, this is one of the most 
important things for me in my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. So like all of your listeners, I'm sure we all go through different points in our lives, which feel like they're, we need spiritual practice more than ever, (laughs) right? There are, there are times in our life when things are really easy and things flow and things feel like overwhelmingly, like you're in a good groove. And then there are times when we really are challenged and, um, you know, confronted with our own kind of inner demons, outer demons, circumstances, like things that are really hard, right? And it's what a lot of religious traditions talk about as the dark night of the soul or, um, you know, in Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition, no mud, no lotus, right? Like mm. we are constantly doing this dance between the darkness and the light and that mucky, dirty, kind of uglier stuff of life you know, um, is actually what helps create and nurture and, and transform us so that we could blossom and reemerge and, you know, kind of be resurrected in Christian mythology. It's really about this constant cycle of how do we do this going down into the depths to come back through it on the other end. And um, so I find spiritual practice is hard to adopt when you're in that low place, but that's when people seek it because they need it most. And they're aware that they need strategies, they need coping mechanisms, they need things to reconnect themselves to a sense of hopefulness or faith or their own inner strength and courage. And that's when people will often turn to prayer or to yoga or, oh, my therapist said I should try to do this or that to help my mood. I should try journaling and being grateful and But when we're already in a low space, it's often very, very difficult to start a new habit with a sense of hope. So I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just harder. But um, so for me as a coach, you know, and with teenagers, especially, I try to teach them from like even my seventh graders, what does it look like from a very early stage in your life to develop spiritual habits and practices so that they're as second nature as brushing your teeth every day, as mm. washing your hands, as you know, like how do you create habits? And habits happen not instantaneously, you know, in a moment of crisis, they happen over time because we commit and we do them again and again and again and again until really it's just, it's what I do. I brush my teeth every morning when I wake up, I put on the coffee pot, like, you know. Yeah. So. What are habits that can support people? And we think about, you know, health, right? What are healthy habits? The things I choose to eat, you know, how much water am I drinking? How much sleep am I getting? What are the supplements that I'm taking to support myself? What are my food choices? What are my exercise habits? You know, a lot of people, like they'll set a resolution. I'm going to really stick with it this year and I'm going to, and until it becomes a habitual way of being, you know, we get stuck in our own failure. But the whole thing is to keep failing over and over and over, but to keep, to keep showing up, right? If we keep showing up with spiritual practice, ultimately it becomes second nature to the point where, like, so for me, I have several spiritual practices. I practice daily and they're just routine. Like I don't even have to think about or coax myself into doing it or motivate or force myself. Like they're just, it's just part of my regimen and it's literally life-saving. Like it just keeps me so present to my, you know, like to who I want to be on a daily basis. So I wake up in the morning and I have a morning prayer practice, um, mostly rooted in more Jewish kind of morning prayers uh, but there's a great E.E. E. Cummings poem I love, which I'll say often. There's a beautiful um, Thich Nhat Hanh teaching, a gatha. Gathas are short, like, mindfulness sayings to tune ourselves to in the morning. You know, waking up this morning, I have 24 brand new hours before me. You know, I, I smile to, these, to this day and vow to live in each moment with compassion for myself and all beings. It's, like, simple. But as a ritual to wake up and say that, or as a ritual to wake up and say a short prayer of, I'm so grateful for this day. Hmm. So grateful for this day. May I be a channel or, you know, a vessel for goodness in the world today. And to ground yourself in a practice like that, 
Um, every night before I go to sleep, my practice is to journal. I keep a journal by my bed and it's a gratitude journal. And I'll sit and write as little or as much of everything I can remember from this day that I was grateful for. Beautiful. Yeah. So I think it's important to have those daily practices, physical, spiritual, um, and to stick, stick with it, you know, stick with it so that we build a sense of our own, like this, I have this, I have this, like, I know that this is like an oasis for me when I really need it the most, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also I think it, what's important too to remind our ladies of is if you make a commitment to have this practice and then you do it for two days and then you forget it for a week, don't hold it, don't hold it against yourself because I mean, even me, I mean, I have a pretty steady Kundalini practice and I went on vacation. We went on a road trip. Well, it's kind of hard to do it on the road. I could have, but did I not really, you know? And so when I came home, I'm like, okay, get back into your practice. But it was actually a struggle because I had not been in practice for 11 days. And I remember going through my head because my teacher, he practices two to three hours a day, you know? So I'm like, I don't have two to three hours a day. How am I ever going to do? I don't even an hour today. Okay. Well, what about 15 minutes? Okay. I can do 15 minutes. Like this was an actual thing that I went through. I had to like tell a little, literally coach myself into starting my practice up again. And, you know, but I knew because I've been here so many times that it's like, okay, it doesn't matter that I'm here. I'm today. I'm choosing today. And today I say yes. Yeah. And there's your free will for you right there. Your free will, it begins with the choosing. Like, I'm going to direct my energy this way today because I say so. And it doesn't matter what I did yesterday because right now this moment is always this moment. And this moment we always can choose when we're being mindful, right? When we're really tuning in, we can choose to say in this moment, this is how I'm going to show up and what I'm going to do. And I just want to say one thing about failure is that you know, we often get really shut down by failure and our culture sees failure as a bad thing and yeah. we keep it as evidence against ourselves. Yeah. And the antidote to that is a lot of self-love and compassion and recognizing that just because I didn't get to the whatever, you know, my, what it looked like to me, what success was going to be, I didn't do a certain thing. I don't have to label myself a failure. I just, it's just what it, it, like that's an overlay, right? That's an interpretation of what we make it mean. The what is, is, oh, I didn't do my practice for 11 days because I was choosing to do other things while I was on the trip. So that was also an acknowledgement of your free will. I'm choosing to set aside my practice because I'm practicing other things on this road trip. I'm practicing freedom. I'm practicing trusting myself to be in the moment in presence without an overlay of restrictive, like what I have to do or what I should do, that you were in a different practice. And then you came back and said, wow, it's really hard to go back into two or three hours of practice. I'm not gonna compare myself to what someone else does and what looks like success for them. What would look like success for me is right now choosing to say yes to 15 minutes. And having that be okay. That's an act of self-love and self-compassion. Right? And really, like, how do we get to this place where we look inside of ourselves for what feels right for us and not measuring that against someone else's standard or what someone else is doing? Really just being with, what do I need in this moment? What is right for me today? Can I trust that? Can I allow that? Can I just be mindful and really as an act of love, like really honor what it is I need today. Understanding that I have certain goals and long-term objectives, which include having these practices, but can I, you know, different people have different relationships with structure and fluidity, right? And astrology speaks to that too. People who are very, very adaptable, mutable, very easy for them to shift and flow and change with what shows up. And, and some people who are very fixed, I need to know the rules. I need to know exactly what it's going to look like. I need to have the plan and I need to follow it. And if I don't follow it, it's all out the window. And that's something very honest and true also to someone's individual makeup. And again, it's not a right or wrong. There's no one way to be a human being. 
right? We're these beautiful multifaceted gems and we each have our own expression. So what is the expression that works for me may not work for you, but how do you tap into what's right for you and hold space for yourself? And how do I, as an astrologer, as a coach, also hold space for you as you are? I'm not trying to overlay my experience or how I would do it onto you. I'm just holding space for you to show up in your own wisdom. Mm, so good. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. You know, you remind me of my very first yoga teacher. I mean, she's the one that was like, turned me on. You know, I didn't even know what yoga was. I was like, I'm going to try this yoga thing. And, and again, she was an angel as well in my life. And uh, yeah, it's just, you have, you have so much wisdom and care. And it's so obvious that you really see the good in in your clients and, and people in the world and what, and what's happening, you know, I mean, we, we could go into a conversation about what's happening in the world and <laughs> how that might be in the, in the stars. Oh, but why would we want to end this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> right. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. Wait till January. Yes. 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 For sure. For sure. You know, um, if you could real quick, I know we're kind of coming up on our time, but I would, I would really love it. I, I can kind of on that last piece of conversation around self-love and self-compassion, I can, I can hear my listeners thinking, what does that even mean? Like, how do I even love myself? Like, how do I have compassion for myself? And when you just said to me, it, it, you know, that was an expression of self-love and self-compassion for myself when I gave myself the 15 minutes and allowed myself to not do my practice. What might be some other examples of self-love and self-compassion in people's lives that they may not recognize that's what they're doing? Hmm. It's a really good question. I think it begins with allowing yourself to take the time to really check in. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a lot of ways that we distract ourselves from doing that. And then we tell ourselves, oh, I don't have time. And it has, the condition has to be right for me to really sit and check in. It needs, I don't have time for this. And we busy ourselves because there's a little bit of avoidance or fear or resistance to really being with what's true because maybe we're afraid we're gonna find some sadness, mm. some insecurity or something that looks other than love, right? Mm -hmm. We talk down to ourselves, the things we're ashamed of, the things we're afraid of. And it's, it's really challenging, right? To be in the presence of that truth with ourselves. So I think the first thing, the first step in self-love actually involves a little bit of courage <laughs> you know, being courageous enough to just show up for yourself. And that can look like one minute of silent check-in. One minute of I'm putting down my phone. I'm not available. Tell the kids like I, I just, mommy needs, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or just putting an away message on your email. I won't be checking email from this time. Carving space and time, I think is really an act of self-love. Because then in that space and time, we can not run away from, we can run towards looking at what we really need. And then the second piece I would say is that it's not only an intellectual exercise. Sometimes we get way trapped in our mind and we think we can think our way through our problems, which are mostly thought-based anyway. It's like we get stuck in this overthinking cycle. And I think a really important way to check in with self-love is more embodied and emotional. So sitting and asking, like really just sitting for a moment and breathing, starting with the breath, coming into the moment, into the present moment with your breath, and then doing a body scan. What does my body need? What is my body telling me? Where is it calling my attention? What am I noticing? What am I feeling physically in my body? And then letting yourself explore that. What is that trying to tell me? Oh, my hip is really achy today and I need to shift. Okay, so shift. And what is it telling me that there's an ache there? What's it calling my attention to? What is it? What do I need? What would, what would be gentle? What would be caring? What would be the right way to take care of what that is showing me? Mm -hmm. Right. Starting to practice with just asking, what do I need? 
on a very physical embodied, you know, and then asking maybe in your heart. Yeah. On the emotional level, what do, what do I need? What is my heart telling me? What's showing up there? And then making space and time to allow whatever shows up. Maybe what shows up is not sadness or any of those like bad, scary things. Maybe what shows up is just need to have more fun. I'm like kind of bored, freaking COVID, man. It's been lasting. So, you know, it's like, I'm bored. I need some adventure. I need to get outside. I need to do a brisk walk. I need to do, but you don't have time to identify that self-care thing until you take the time to really look. So I think it begins with looking. And I think that, like I said, there's a lot of bravery that goes with that. Like trusting yourself to look and listen and we're like retraining ourselves like training ourselves to listen to our own body our own heart what are my needs and how could i actually care for those needs yeah, yeah. and those needs may be different than what they were yesterday so if you set yourself up on a well i should be running every day and i'm going to run away from my hip pain right and you think you're doing good for yourself like in your mind on an analytical level you're like nope i'm doing my exercise uh you know and on an emotional level what's really happening there mm -hmm. yeah and you know that's why in a yoga practice i really love that there are restorative resting poses you know and like if you you know you teach also don't you do you teach yoga yeah yeah. 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 So you know how you give people like if you're especially if you're doing like a strong class with a lot of flow and you give people permission and remind them, this is your practice. Do what you need to take care of yourself throughout the practice. You always have free will. Listen to your body. If something is too much and you're not feeling it, take a child's pose. Take anything you need. You're not going to insult me as the teacher. I want you to get what you need. So you have to start training not outside of yourself to what someone else is telling you, right? Or your own harsh kind of demands, demands. I have to accomplish something to feel successful. Success is when we take the time to really listen to what we need and then give ourselves that. That's a whole different definition of success. That's a little bit mind blowing. Like what would it look like if I, if I, regarded myself as successful every time I really listened and honored what I needed and took care of myself. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's a really good one. I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because our, our, we're just so trained here to be ugh, something that's not in alignment with who we really are and goes against the grain of, of, of self-empowerment. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I do want to say one last thing. I know we're at the end of our time, but I don't want it to sound like our conversation. We mostly revolved around the self, my natal chart, my life purpose, my routines, my spiritual practices. I just want to say that when you're really coming from a place of authentic self empowerment, that can't but overflow into your life and be of service to others, right? It really is from the inside out when we do the work for ourselves to be filled with our own love and joy and purpose and passion and power, when we feel that alive, then we shine, then we radiate, yeah. then we emanate in a way that supports and is really present for others. So the more loving we are to ourselves, it's not different than also showing up more lovingly in our relationships. We don't do this work to be selfish. We do this work to be really, like I said, like a vessel or a channel for whatever you understand divinity to be, the essence of love and light and abundance in this world. So that's the higher, you know, bringing us back to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really grateful that you shared everything about your practice. Cause I think when people can hear what your practice looks like, maybe they can start to take parts of that if it feels aligned for them and, and integrate it into their own practice or start their own practice or just like write an affirmation down and leave it by their bed so they can read it every morning, even though they don't have a practice yet. You know, I think it's really beautiful. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? No, I just, I want to, well, I would love to offer just a blessing 
to all of the beautiful people who are listening to this that I hope that something in today's conversation opened up something for you, something that, you know, has your heart expand just a little bit, has your sense of hope, your sense of compassion for yourself and others open. And I wish everybody health and peace and finding their own way to joy. Mm, thank you for that. Yes. Yes. And I just want to say, just kind of, I meant to say this earlier. <clears throat> I think it's the most beautiful thing that you're teaching this stuff to seventh graders. If I had I only heard this when I was in the seventh grade. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Ladies, I hope this was enjo as enjoyable for you as it has been for me and hopefully Robin. Uh, I do want to let you know that Robin's offering anyone who uh, mentions the code biohack and you want, and you would like to have book an astrology or a cosmic wisdom coaching session with her, uh, you'll receive a 15% discount on her rate, which is extraordinary offering. I will actually put her link in the show notes. So you'll be able to access it right from your uh, podcast app. And, uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thank you for being a part of my listenership and the community that we're building in the world. And, and uh, as my teacher says, you are the culmination of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you just spent some time with some really awesome women. So know you're awesome. Go see it in the mirror and go express it to your, great, to your greatest ability. And uh, we'll see you next time. Mwah. Thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women. If you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe, join us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to help grow our tribe, share this episode with your friends. Let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in. This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor. And the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.